0: Hi, I'm Eve. Welcome to this day in history class, a show that reveals a little bit more about history day by day. Today is February 12th, 2019. The day was February 12th, 1909. In New York City, a group of Black and white people met to talk about the status of Black people in the United States. There were 60 people at the meeting, including suffragists, philanthropists, journalists, clergymen, educators, and people from other traditions in attendance. And some of them had been part of the abolitionist movement. Many of the people there had also been part of the Niagara Movement, which was a civil rights group founded in 1905 by sociologist and activist W.E.B. Du Bois and editor and activist William Monroe Trotter. The date of this meeting was notable because it was the 100th anniversary of former U.S. President Abraham Lincoln's birth, which many found meaningful because Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation. But anti-Black violence was still endemic in the United States, and the people who met in New York on this day Were committed to fighting racism and discrimination in the U.S. by starting what was sometimes called a New Abolition Movement. At the time, Jim Crow laws enforced racial segregation in the South, though discrimination on the basis of race was a constant throughout the United States. Thousands of Black people were being lynched by white mobs at public events that were made into spectacles and deadly race riots were taking place across the country. In the period after the Reconstruction era, interpersonal and institutionalized racism were plaguing American society. But activists, reformers, and revolutionaries were organizing and fighting to combat the rampant racism and violence in the country. In August 1908, there was a violent race riot in Springfield, Illinois, Where mobs of white people destroyed the homes and businesses of black people in the community and killed and lynched others. Author and activist Anna Strunsky and her husband William English Walling, a socialist and journalist, went to Springfield to investigate the riot. And in September, a magazine called The Independent published an article by Walling titled The Race War in the North. In the article, He wrote that people must revive the spirit of the abolitionists and treat black people as social and political equals, or else the race war would continue to spread across the country. And Walling went on to write the following. The day these methods become general in the North, every hope of political democracy will be dead. Other weaker races and classes will be persecuted in the North as in the South. Public education will undergo an eclipse, and American civilization will await either a rapid degeneration or another profounder and more revolutionary civil war, which shall obliterate not only the remains of slavery, but all other obstacles to a free democratic evolution that have grown up in its wake. Who realizes the seriousness of the situation? And what large and powerful body of citizens is ready to come to their aid. Marie White-Ovington, a social worker and writer, heeded Walling's call and sent him a letter in support. So in January 1909, she met with Walling and social worker Henry Moskowitz at Walling's New York apartment to discuss proposing an organization that would fight for the civil and political rights of Black people. So Oswald Garrison Villar, grandson of the abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison, wrote The Call, which was a summons for civil rights activists to form an organization that would advocate for ending racial injustice in America and fight for African Americans' rights. The Call was endorsed by 60 people, including W.E.B. Du Bois, journalist and activist Ida B. Wells, philosopher and reformer John Dewey, and activist Jane Adams. And on February 12, 1909, a group including Mary Church Terrell, Charles Edward Russell, and Florence Kelly, among others, met for a national conference. But they didn't hold their first large meeting until May, when they organized as the National Negro Committee. There was some conflict at that first session as leaders tried to get the more conservative Booker T. Washington to join in on the meetings. Also, tensions rose between white and Black members, and the press feared the radical nature of the conference. But by 1910, members of the committee had formed the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP. The NAACP's mission was, quote, to promote equality of rights and to eradicate caste or race prejudice among the citizens of the United States, to advance the interests of colored citizens, to secure for them impartial suffrage, and to increase their opportunities for securing justice in the courts, education for the children, employment according to their ability, and complete equality before law. The organization established its national office in New York City and named a board of directors and president, Moorfield Story. At this time, W.E.B. Du Bois was the only Black executive in the organization. But that same year, Du Bois started The Crisis, a journal that offered discussion on race relations, politics, and Black life, and presented Black intellectual and artistic work. NAACP members went on to challenge segregation laws, stage boycotts, start an anti-lynching campaign, and lobby and advocate for new legislation. The NAACP's methods aren't loved by people who use more direct action tactics. But the organization did make gains in the movement for Black civil rights and is still going today. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. We'll see you tomorrow.